Hello and welcome to DKI Digital Era Entertainment's weekly anime podcast. I'm your host Joel, and this is episode sixty-seven. I think I've lost track. I don't always keep track of those numbers. Mario, do you know the number? Yep, that is in fact episode sixty-seven. It is our sixty-seventh nice. meeting. Um, no, that's a that's two episodes from now. Hey, yeah, <laughs> we're almost at the uh, nice. We're gonna we have. No idea what we're going to do in two episodes, but we'll figure out something nice to do. I'm not sure, but we'll figure it out. Oh, I've already got ideas. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to it. Very exciting. Very exciting. Anyways, it is just Mario and I today. Uh, Franji and Emmy have some wonderful work, and hey, paid gigs, always good, always good. So Mario and I are going to do a bit of a two-parter today. First part is going to be me going over the shows that I'm watching so far this season. Mario has been very, very busy with a lot of virtual events and whatnot that have kept him from watching the things that we discussed during our uh, season preview episodes that we did a couple weeks back. So this will give him and hopefully you all at home some ideas of one, what I'm watching, but also my initial thoughts on a couple things. I also have some uh, regrettable things to report about a particular show. And then we'll be moving on to things from Mario's side, the virtual events, just things that he's been up to, a couple fun stories from the past couple weeks for him, and maybe some thoughts about virtual events as a whole. But and actually, uh, before we uh, launch into it, so it, t weirdly enough, like today has been a, a very interestingly anime focused day. Uh, so over in our Discord, Oh, yeah, yeah. Quite, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. I meant to bring that up. Thank you. Yes, this is amazing. So just today, for those of you who might watch Digital Air Entertainment's uh, content on a more regular basis, you might be aware that we have an ongoing gag about hashtag not sponsored, hashtag please sponsor us. That goes through pretty much anything that I'm on. That's a very, you know, one, of, one of my favorite phrases. But in particular, with regards to Taco Bell and Taco Bell Japan, it was a gag that initially came up during our playthrough of Dream Daddy and came up again with our Hololive Wrestling uh, streams and just today Taco Bell as a part of the promotion for their nacho fries coming back dropped a one minute anime PV essentially and they've done something like this before that the last time nacho fries came back is actually when I initially searched nacho fries anime I came up with something that came that dropped a couple months back like in January or something and this was a full-on, well-animated PV. Like I said, it was about a minute long. There were three VAs in there. One of them I didn't recognize, but one of them was Christina V, and one of them was Steve frickin' Bloom. So they went whole hog on this. They were like, all right, we're going to actually invest in this. They got big names. It wasn't just, you know, random commercial VAs. Not that I have a problem with commercial VAs, but they went to the source on this one. And then just... You know, on top of it, they have this giant monster going around Tokyo or whatever metropolis they had, you know, crushing things. There were giant mechs. It was super intense, had great music. But then in the corner on a video billboard, you see Gargura. And just, I can certainly say that the Hololive Reddit page was going wild over it this morning. And I sent it along to Mario. It was just like, oh my gosh, this is just... It's all coming together. We did not mean for it to all come together in this way, but it's all coming together. Yeah, I'm very fond of saying that serendipity is the best muse. Today, just once again, unequivocally proved that point. And for those of you who are watching live, we did just drop the link into the chat so you can uh, get caught up. 
um, <laughs> while you are enjoying our lovely banter today, because, oh my God, you just need that visual. Uh, 29 seconds in, in the upper right-hand corner, and then just mindblown.gif. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, it's so and good. it's a very fun video altogether that just watch it because it's an awesome promotion that hashtag not sponsored, hashtag please sponsor us. Taco Bell did a real good job with this. Oh, yeah, it totally ruled. And uh, they, they weren't the only ones dropping promo videos because uh, apparently during uh, Comic-Con at Home, which I completely forgot is this weekend, her, 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 keeping things very on topic today, uh, Toei did a special feature on the next Dragon Ball Super movie, very creatively titled Dragon Ball Super Superhero. <laughs> it is a uh, so they duplicated the word super it wasn't just dragon ball super uh colon hero yeah that is my understanding of this Gone. title i and think it would have been better to not have that duplication but whatever i guess they're you know trying to hedge in on that sweet sweet my hero money yeah and on, on top of that um it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out because the trailer seems to infer that it is going to be uh, more of a cg animated film oh. which has a lot of dragon ball fans oh a little a little nervous because little the animation, yeah because the animation on broly was absolutely top-notch they did utilize some cg but it was it was very well integrated this one it was very much like we're hoping this is just a a, a rough promo tease of just a couple of seconds of yeah Goku work in progress Goku. hopefully yeah, um, and they've shown off some character designs, which seems to be implying that we're finally moving <clears throat> uh, to the proper end of the Dragon Ball Z timeline, uh, as it's showing uh, Pan in kindergarten. I'll which... take your word for it, because I have no freaking clue about any of the timelines in DBZ, so... Yeah, the, the Sure, TLD... yeah, smile and nod, <laughs> smile and nod on my end. Yeah, the, the TLDR is that Dragon Ball Super, for all intents and purposes, has been a continuation of the original Z timeline before what is effectively the, the epilogue episode that would transition over time into what became GT. So we've been kind of like really skirting, skirting the timeline's limits here for the original Dragon Ball Z timeline in Super. So the the... Uh, general implication is, oh, are we finally moving to that point that is featured at the end of the original Dragon Ball Z, where, hey, everyone's aged up a little bit. We've got, you know, Teen Gohan, or I'm sorry, uh, Teen Goten and Teen Trunks, uh, you know, little little Babby Pan uh, now being like a small toddler um, and leading into what traditionally has been known as the GT uh, timeline. So it's there, there was a lot to unpack in this small preview, but again, the fact that it dropped today, like no more than maybe two hours ago, <laughs> it is something else. So we have been hashtag blessed on this particular Friday. Very nice. All right. So starting off with my, you know, synopsis of the things I've been watching, do you want me to start with the problematic thing and then go alphabetically, or should I just go alphabetically and get to the problematic thing when I get to it? Yeah, I would say uh, work work your way into it. <laughs> let's uh let's get that good good recap out of the way before we get to the the bad bad deconstruction. <laughs> okay, so battle game in five seconds. This one had my attention because it, there was you know the potential of some cerebral things. Death game premise with you know all right, what's some thinking stuff going on? And I've watched the first two episodes so far, and. It's okay. There's not as much thinking going on as I would like. It's not terrible. 
uh, the concept at play is that you have a bunch of people who are supposedly randomly chosen for this experiment and that they are each given powers. And the first two episodes, you have the main character and the second episode was for a second character of their backstories and seeing their powers in action for the first time. And to be fair, the way that the main character's power works is going to cause mind games to happen. I can't quite tell over the two episodes just how prominent it's going to be or if it's just going to be, all right, this is a bit of a gimmick in the time of battle because the first and second episodes uh, spend so much time on character exposition and the drama that was created with the exposition was okay, not great, not completely off-putting. I'm going to give it another couple episodes, but I could see myself dropping it if it doesn't hold up to its end of the bargain. But if you like, uh, you know, death battle stuff, maybe it's worth checking out. The next one going alphabetically, skipping over ones I'm not watching. How a Realist Hero Rebuilt the Kingdom. This was that super generic one that uh, I had heard was very much my brand of cerebral and planning and policy. And yeah, it's delivering. Um, the tropes, or at least... The framework at play is as generic as it gets, but everything about the dialogue is very much leaning into, okay, we've had discussions about cash crops and then supply and demand and how to recruit people in a kingdom, uh, the value of different skills. There's been a lot of really cool stuff, diplomacy, and while it's not, you know, top, top tier stuff, this is solid B-plus material and it's my type of content. So I'm going to be keeping up with this. JC staff's doing a pretty good job with it. I'd say give it a couple episodes, see if it's to your liking. I could see it if it's not yours, that this is definitely not a for everyone show. And you'll probably know by the end of episode three whether or not it's something worth continuing for you in particular. If I may cut in, you mentioned JC staff, and this is one that I was curious if you had been keeping up on because I haven't even gotten a chance to start it. And that is uh, the Duke of Death and his maid. I was going was going to get to that later in the Beautiful. alphabet. But uh, do you want me to just give you the one now and, you know, skip forward to that? Yeah, because I've been this is one of those that uh, much like a few other shows. I've been CG's up rough, out. man. It CG's is CG's rough. But I, and I've seen basically little, the I've seen little the clips. Plot, and it looks like one of those like, you know, very, very silly and light, but also it's a kind teasing of series. Yeah, it, it's another teasing series along the lines of Tagaki, along the lines of um, uh, what's the one? You know, uh, hang out with me, uh, Zaki Chan. Zaki Chan, thank you. And along the lines of um, what's the one that we had just last season? Sorry, I'm. Totally out of it now. Oh, um, uh, Miss Nagatoro. Nagatoro. Nagatoro, yeah. It's in that vein. If you enjoy that type of teasing, because basically the riff on it this time is it's, you know, the posh princely guy who has a curse. So the way it was established, by the way, we were curious about this in our preview of just, you know, wait a minute, what implications does this have about, you know, what happened to his parents? He was cursed when he was five. So he was not uh -huh. born with this. It, it, he didn't commit uh, uh, patricide or anything, you know, in being born, his parents holding him, uh, he was cursed and then subsequently essentially abandoned by his parents that they gave him this large estate in the countryside and were like, stay there. We do not want to be near you for obvious reasons. And uh, it's implied to have been much colder than one would have hoped. 
but uh, that's at least to explain the backstory there and why he is alone. It, uh, his parents are alive. And he has this one maid, and it's the only one who's been confident enough to stick around, and she teases him constantly. Uh, there are, you know, shots of leggings and stockings, um, a couple opi shots, nothing. Uh, I only watched the first episode. Uh, there weren't any outright panty shots, which was nice. Um, it was a bit too one note for my taste, and the CG was a bit rough. But in, that's also in general, I'm not really one for teasing series. That Nagatoro, I watched a couple episodes and dropped. Tagaki even, just not my cup of tea. But if you are into that thing, if you enjoy that particular brand of gags, here's another one for you. And the CG isn't so rough that I would call it unwatchable, but it is noticeable. Yeah, uh, and even in the the small clips that I have seen, which have piqued my interest, because I'm like, oh, okay, this seems like basically most of the shows that you mentioned, but less less so with uh, Nagatoro, where it was like very uncomfortable. Oh yeah, watch um, the teasing more like Uzaki Chan, where it's like, oh yeah, this is much more in the vein of uh, Uzaki than yeah. Nagatoro for sure, for sure. And I I had a blast with that, especially in the the English dub. So uh, the the vibe I'm getting is I'll definitely enjoy this, and yeah, yeah. even though I hate the CG normally. And it is very noticeable here for some reason. Yeah, it, it's noticeable, it but not bad. It's yeah, it it's doesn't not, piss me off. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. It's not good. It's not something that I look at and say, oh, man, they really nailed it here. But it's not so awful that it's going to that was not why I turned it off. It was because I just don't like teasing shows. Yeah. And, and also, for whatever weird reason, it exists in that particular plane of this the cg isn't great but it's not bad and it oddly kind of fits like it's one of those rare matches where it's like okay yeah right, i can this, see it working this, this um makes sense. definitely knowing that you enjoyed uzaki chan as much as you did i would definitely say give it an episode or two and see if this one speaks to you as well because uh the similarities are absolutely there yes good good anyway please continue kageki shoujo is real good oh man i you have never heard of Pink Jam before, Studio Pink Jam. But dang, this is a pretty show, and the music's good, the theme's good, the story's good, the characters are engaging. I am on board with this, that this is the one that it's the um, uh, Taranozuka troupe school. And uh, three episodes in, we've had some really heavy stuff brought in that one of the main characters is a former idol who quit, but also there's some traumatic stuff in her past. Like, there was real stuff in episode three, but it was handled super well, and the place that the characters are going is super healthy, and I'm really excited to see where this one goes, and I think the dynamics are just great. The main, the the other main character, who is the super ganky tall one, is just, she's not annoying, but she's annoying everyone else, and that's it. That's the best iteration of that character archetype, in my opinion, where you love her, but you know that everyone else is super annoyed by her because she is just so dang ganky. Um, and then there's, you know, the cool, super reserved one, which is the other main character, and seeing how their relationship is going to blossom. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like uh, queer rating, that this is just a, you know, a shoujo type of thing, where it is a story about girls. and. I'm totally good with that. Um, nice. I I, I kind of hope that they don't go the romantic route because I don't feel like that is the story that this is going or like trying to tell. 
if there is a pivot and they move in a romantic direction and have the characters and plot shift accordingly, I'd be on board with it. But the focus very much is on the uh, the theater of it all, literally the theater. And I worry that putting any romance, regardless of if it's the main characters with each other or with other supporting characters, regardless of gender, would detract. But that's not to say that it's impossible. Uh, I'm very much on board with this show. So Kageki Shoujo, check that one out for sure. Awesome. Uh, Life Lessons with Urumechi Onisan. I had to drop this one. It was just too one note for me. If you like your dark humor and just sort of, you know, life sucks and I'm very burnt out and it's not too real for you, sure, it, it, does, it plays its one note real well. But it was just the one note. And if I get told by a bunch of people, oh, it becomes more diverse in its comedy over time and it was just the first episode that was really one note, I might go back and watch it. But the first episode didn't do anything for me. But that's not to say it was bad. Once again, a very, it's a comedy show with a very niche brand of comedy. And if you're into that brand of comedy, and especially this one, because you don't get this type of dark comedy very often. If that's to your liking, this could be like a real special one for you. Yeah, I was going to say. But it's not um, my brand. It just, just to kind of expand on that, you know, look, look at uh, Uzaki-chan for a second. Like that one, yeah. it felt very one note, but over time it did get uh, a lot more enjoyable. And then in my personal case, I felt that you know, the English language adaptation kind of brought out the humor a little bit better and made it a more watchable experience. So there yeah. is a very high chance that not only Quite will possibly. the narrative and uh, presentation evolve, but... Uh, yeah, you know, like the might, visuals might are good, the production is good. There's nothing wrong with this show. Yeah, It's other than it being a bit, as I said, one note in episode one, but that can change. Um, but at this point in time, I just don't think even if it were to become more broad that the type of dark humor at play is something that particularly appeals to me, which is why I dropped it, but, you know, uh, to taste. Ooh, and valid, now I... Un oh, valid oh, question uh, from the chat from uh, Neo Ivan, actually. Mm. Uh, he's curious to know, is it like Rick and Morty kind of dark or BoJack Horseman kind of dark? Because those are two... Haven't seen BoJack, wildly. so I can't comment on it. And I've only seen, you know, bits and pieces of rick and morty but there's those rick and morty elements of just you know it, the, the whole thing is that the main character it works on a children's television show and you know think steve from blues clues that he's supposed to be very peppy and you know leading the kids in different exercises and songs and just his mask keeps breaking now fortunately his supervisors and the rest of the production staff for whatever reason mostly plot reasons let this slide but it's constantly him you know saying you know don't get old like me everything sucks and you'll realize that life has no meaning enjoy your innocence while you can and just other various iterations on oh man my life sucks and just existentialism and life has no meaning Okay, yeah, because I've seen uh, translated uh, pages from from the manga, uh, and it definitely feels like it could really go either way, or maybe just be yeah. like that middle ground. Because and, and the thing is, dark from the dark. Uh, visuals I've seen from the manga, they hit those visuals here in the anime very well. That uh, it's colorful one minute, then super dark the next. The sound effects are good. They've got the visual gags, you know, down with all this. It nice. is fitting so. The surrounding elements are working. I do just think it's, I don't enjoy that type of dark humor. 
Yeah. And and again, like with, with Bojack, if it goes that level of dark, that's going to be tough because I still technically have not. I don't know what that level series. of dark is. So, oh, well, like I, I said, not to, sure. I was about to expand. Um, You know, I still technically haven't finished Bojack Horseman. And that series ended like two or three years ago. Uh, I left off on like season three because that particular show, it is so dark. I have to be in a particular mindset just to mm -hmm. be able to get through a season. That's yeah. how dark it gets. So oh I'm boy. like, oh, it, no. It, I didn't get the vibe of it being something that kind of dark. It was just, you know, almost a too real type of dark as opposed to a this is too heavy type of dark. Yeah. It, well, that one was a one two punch. It's like it got really relatably real, but also really heavy. So it was, again, it's a particular uh, threshold. Um, mm -hmm. So good to know. Anyway, please yeah. continue. Uh, now I have the distinct dishonor of being the bearer of bad news regarding Miss Kobayashi's Maid S. So Kobayashi's Dragon Maid has always been a little bit etchy around the edges, and even sometimes in the main part. Um, yep. And Shota in particular have always been sort of the a, a problematic element of the series where Lukoa is constantly making advances on young Shota, who is clearly uncomfortable with all this. I did not enjoy those parts, but I've generally been... I enjoyed the wholesomeness and the found family narrative of everything else that I was willing to overlook this while basically putting an asterisk next to it of saying, okay, you know, this is a thing, but there's so much other good stuff here that's really outweighing the bad, and these are not the main characters, so... It, I turned a blind eye, and I understand that for some people, even for that, that they can't turn a blind eye, and I respect that. That if, if that is too far for you, I don't think that is unreasonable. In episode two of season two, S, they may have, they've crossed the line for me. And the way it happens is, in episode one, you have the new dragon in town who is a member of the Chaos Faction. So, you know, you have Toru and um, uh, I forget the one who becomes the office worker's name, but, you know, she's in the Peace Faction and Toru was in the Chaos Faction but left the Chaos Faction. This one's in the Chaos Faction and she's very anti-human, wants to kill all humans, doesn't think that it's possible for dragons and humans to coexist. So she comes, threatens the city, and Toru stops her, and that's cool, and there's a really neat sequence in episode one and I liked it and it seemed like um Kobayashi was starting to win the dragon the new dragon over and the way that episode one ends is with the new dragon casting a spell on Kobayashi that causes an addition between her legs and that is where episode one ends and what <laughs> Yes. And that inherently is not a problem of just, all right, are, are we going to, where do we take this? There are a number of directions that we can take this. And the whole thing of the dragon's perspective was, okay, I'm going to make Kobayashi a guy and prove that, you know, it, with that change dynamic that uh, Toru and Kobayashi will not be able to coexist in the way that they were able to previously. And... Basically, Kobayashi notices this very quickly, and uh, she arrives back at 
uh, her apartment, and uh, Toru is coming out of the shower and has a towel, and Kobayashi starts feeling urges. And then, uh, you know, Toru makes her usual advances, and Kobayashi is able to resist, but is it tangibly feeling, all right, I am now attracted to Toru. And then there's also a scene where, you know, Kana comes up and cuddles on her, and Kobayashi gets uncomfortable at this. And it's not that she necessarily feels urges towards Kana, but that there is a distinct inherent difference in how she feels and reacts to Kana's mere presence. This is a problem on many levels. Yeah! That this is a slap in the face to the trans community. This is a utter slap in the face to the trans community. Because I do I do not think that the team at KyoAni is trying to make any sort of political statement. I fully believe that this is them trying to do teehee gender gags and failing on a catastrophic level. Yeah. But the mere suggestion that the addition or subtraction of genitalia will cause the addition or subtraction of sexual urges is inherently false, inherently damaging, and particularly so with certain things that we see in real life regarding bathroom laws. And I don't, like I said, I don't think they were trying to do any sort of commentary of that regard. But it is a, it is a damaging and just thoughtless gag that I, I feel awful for the trans community because this, the, it's basically, even if it doesn't mean to, suggests that yes, if, if you have a, uh, male genitalia that you are going to then always one be attracted to women or that your attractions will change and uh, also just like what is that supposed to imply about fathers just even cis had fathers what's that supposed to suggest yeah there there is way too much uh that that was just really you know not thought through <laughs> yeah <it laughs> like just, I'm, I'm hearing it, this whole thing as it's described and I, i'm just sitting here thinking and you the know, thing is, after all this, kind of after all this, line. that she's fe- she has these urges and she resists them. She does not act on them. And that's supposed to be the thing of just, you know, that regardless of these new urges that uh, Kobayashi's feelings toward, uh, toward Kana and toward Toru are stronger than these primal instincts. It doesn't matter. Now, it would have been one thing, like, if the dragon had placed a lust spell or something on Kobayashi, and then this exact scenario had played out, fine. That'd be fine, because this is a particular spell that's saying, you know, uh, it is manipulating specifically these emotions. But the fact that the spell was, I'm manipulating your body's form, which is then triggering the manipulation of these emotions, that is not okay in my view. Yeah, and that's and, why I'm like, guys, it's it's 2021. <laughs> like, like you, I, you can't do a story like that, especially no. like with with that kind of implication. There, you you already, Joel, just gave like 
half of the best explanation for how they could have worked around this whole thing and not turned it super problematic. It's like, okay, that should have been the A plan. <laughs> if you're going to go down this other route, make, make it that you've already done part one. And, oh, you know what? I'm going to mess with you even more. Not only have I just cast this spell, you know, which is already but, like, Or the other way of just that I, I, like, what would have been beautiful is if, you know, uh, the dragon cast a spell, changes to Kobayashi's genitalia, goes home, uh, sees Toru walking out of the shower, hey, Toru, night, Toru, and just, like, literal no change. Yeah. That and, that and, would yeah, have been, just... like, that would have been so powerful in a good way. Like, they, this was a, this was a whiff of epic proportions, and like I said, I am, I am clinging to hope that this was not, that this is just a thoughtless, stupid bit of writing and not meant to actually, you know, convey beliefs here. But it's still very damaging nonetheless. And I have not seen episode three of Kobayashi's Dragon Maid S yet, and I don't know if I will. And yeah, there's would, a chance uh... that I may be removing Kobayashi's Dragon Maid from my recommended list because, you know, I, I'd kept it on despite the Lukoa Shota thing. And th this is a bridge too far for me. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe maybe check a summary, see if they somehow, like, just fix it or at least uh, backpedal in some they, sort there, of There's not much to fix way. here, like, because by the end of the episode, the spell is reverted. So that oh. it, it, it's not a full arc. That that was just, you know, for one episode and then, and you know, uh, Kobayashi is reverted. And with that, her urges are reverted. Oh, okay. So well, never mind. Yeah, the, drop the book that. is closed. <laughs> we're, we're done. I thought this was like the start of an, an entire arc. I'm like, okay, no. maybe there's no. time. Oh, this, oh, this, this was the gag of the week. Done. This was oh. the gag of the week. That just makes this worst. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, God. Why is this so much worse now? Why? Oh, God. Ah. Yeah, because, you know, now the, the other dragon realizes that she was wrong and that just... You know, it is possible for dragons and humans to live together and that uh, despite her meddling that Kobayashi's uh, uh, relationship with Toru didn't change enough for anything to happen, but the fact that there was even, you know, the the fact that you had Kobayashi's internal monologue for even a moment having that struggle, it's already too far. So, yeah. That is very unfortunate because... Slash yeah, rant. Yeah, this uh, this really seemed like one of those shows that, you know, was a good go to. Um, and it, it just it, even again, despite its particular, uh, you know, flaws in terms of the the content uh, that could still be enjoyed for, you know, a good, wholesome show that was hearing them, you know, make such a catastrophically thoughtless narrative decision like this and, and even worse, make it, you know, make it like a punchline of the week. Oh my God! <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's really sad because the thing is, the rest of the se the rest of the season could just be phenomenal. It could be amazing. It could be all the best highlights of season one. And I don't know if it would. I that's a really tough stain to wash out. Yeah, unfortunately, this is one of those times where it's like it doesn't matter how how well you either. Uh, you know, follow through on the rest of the season or, you know, in this case, backpedal or do damage control. This is like, this is terminal as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, this is the it, kind of thing where you cannot come back from that. I'm yeah. sorry. And, <laughs> Dragon Maid. and it's super sad to see Kyo Annie of all places do it on, you know, what is supposed I to be their know. return voyage. It's like, ah. you know, Kyo Annie, 
has, you know, they, they are, they do fan service. There's fan service in Haruhi. Yeah. That's fine. Fan service is not a problem for existing. And like I said, there were different angles that they could have taken on this particular episode. And I would have just glossed over it and said, yeah, Kobayashi's Dragon Maid is back. And, you know, they're up to their usual hijinks next. Yeah. But it is because of the specificity of the events and how they unfolded that is so problematic. Yeah, have to have a <clears throat> little sit-down chat <laughs> with the KyoAni team. Hey, guys. Yeah. So here's here's where you messed up. <laughs> yeah. Here's you know why who this hasn't is a messed problem. up? You know what has been a second season has been real good firing on all, all cylinders back like it. Uh, we left them just yesterday and keeping up everything they did before. My next life is a villainess. All roots lead to Doom X. Holy Yay. cow. Hasn't missed a beat. Still super fun. Still wholesome. Katarina's still an idiot. She's still got a heart of gold, and everyone is falling for her left, right, and center. Even the new characters right on schedule. And I love it. Ah, uh, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> good, and good. And we've, we've dived... We have the first episode as sort of a recap and introducing new characters. And then episodes two and three were already diving into some interesting stuff with a bit of drama. And I'm not sure if it's going to be, you know, it's drama on the level that we had in the last couple of episodes in the first season of, you know, some important stuff is happening politically, but there's still Katarina being Katarina along the way and fixing things in her Katarina way. And she's going to fix this thing, I'm sure. I'm not sure if we're going to have more of this type of drama or how much we're going to have the super casual hijinks, but both flavors are just great, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Go watch Villainess. It's it's just great. Fixing things in her Katarina way is is the best way to describe that. Yep, <laughs> yep, that. yep, yep. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Peach Boy Riverside is real good. Really interesting. Um, some cool characters, very fun designs. Um, there, it's pretty shonen, but we're working with some really cool, just, the fights are neat, um, it's really brutal in a couple of moments, but not grotesquely so, um, and there's just, there's hints of a lot of deeper conflicts going on, and it's just fun, uh, solid BB plus here. Doesn't feel like something I'm necessarily going to be raving about two years from now. Um, but there's, like, it could do things that slips it into, you know, the top ten this year if it does really well. But I could also see it just being, you know, this was a good show and being left at that. But nothing bad to say about Peach Boy Riverside. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Yeah, not not every show has to be, like, a, a top ten contender for the year. Yeah. So it is nice to always have that show that even if you forget about it until, and like, you know, like, a, I put this, this is distinctly above later. average stuff we're working with here, that there are a couple of shows that I'm going to get to in a couple minutes. I'm going to say, this is real average. This is one is Peach Boy Riverside is above average. Okay, nice. Remake Our Life had a double-length premiere. I watched it. I enjoyed it. It was a bit too real for me, having worked in gaming. I haven't seen episode two, but that's not... There was no problematic stuff, but it was just a little too close to home. I might watch it later. I'm not sure, but Remake Our Life. It, basically, the whole story is, okay, guy knows how he messed up professionally first go-around, and now with the knowledge that he has in the future, he's gonna, you know, be... It's not isekai, but... He's isekai level because of his knowledge of the future, and he's 
going on to success. And if you want to see somebody who wasn't successful become successful, here you go. Uh, Scarlet Nexus. This is the one from Sunrise that was a BNE game. Yeah, I was going to say the I, game one. I'm, I was on episode three last night, halfway through, and I stopped watching just because it was not engaging enough. There's some super interesting stuff. Like, there's conspiracy going on. The characters are okay. The combat sequences are okay. Um, I might pick it back up if I'm, you know, bored. It wasn't that, okay, this is just awful, but it was... I It started to drag a bit for me. But maybe it'll click for others more than it clicked for me. And... Even so, it wasn't bad. It's just that I'm watching so many things, as always, that if something drags a bit, I'm a bit more heartless than most in cutting something out of my schedule. So Scarlet Nexus, nothing problematic to speak of. Uh, like I said, there's some really cool plot elements going on that episode two was really good, and episode three was pretty good, and episode four was dragging. So, but maybe I'll pick it up again. Scarlet Nexus... Check it out. See if it's to your taste. Yeah, it definitely feels uh, like if you if you miss it, you're not missing much. Uh, that's kind of yeah. vibe I got because yeah, these... this, this one is much more average than Peach Boy Riverside. Yeah, because certain certain game adaptations, uh, it, some of them will surprise you, but others it's very much yeah. like middle of the road, and that's the vibe I got. But that was the thing that I've seen just go. outright bad adaptations like the persona 5 adaptation was a snooze fest i i loved persona 5 it's one of my favorite games i couldn't watch the anime it was that it was that draggy uh scarlet nexus you know i got through episode three and a half and it, this is just eh so yeah try it out uh sunny boy this was that interesting one where we were like hey wait where'd the budget go why is there you know no sky in this yeah. And then we realize, oh, wait, this is actually the thing that they're in a dark world. Oh, okay. Um, this is an art house piece. If there were Oscars, this thing would be Oscar bait. Um, they're working with some really artistic things here. The characters are good. The drama is good. It's this weird combination of almost Lord of the Flies meets, I don't even know what type of weird isekai. There's still some rules of the new world that we haven't been introduced to that, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Definitely watch it. It's by Madhouse. They're working with a different art style than usual, but it works. And I'm very interested to see where this goes. This is one that, depending on where it goes, this one I could see ending up in top 10 contention if it does well, because it's just so inherently different in what it's doing that it's standing out already. And it's above average in that regard, even if not necessarily hitting home runs quite yet, that I can easily see it hitting home runs by the end of the season. Oh, that is everything I love to hear. So, yay! Awesome. So give Sunny Boy a chance, for sure. Uh, Reincarnated Slime Season 2 Part 2. It's more slime. It's more the same. It's just doing its thing. It's great. If you've watched the rest of Slime, watch this. You won't be disappointed. Aquatope on the White Sand. It's the PA Works one where, you know... We had the one where they were revitalizing a local economy. They just PA Works has their lifestyle shows where it's, you know, different professions. And this time it's working at an aquarium and it's PA Works doing their thing. It's good. There's really interesting characters. It is colorful as heck. 
there's some mystery about regarding some supernatural stuff that hasn't been explained yet, but obviously will be. Some good drama. Uh, this is, if you know what PA Works does when they're not doing Opera Ranman, because Opera Ranman was not their lifestyle shows. That was their, you know, action-y uh, hype show. But if you liked Sakura Quest, you're going to like Aquatope on the White Sand. Uh, Case Study of Vanitas is a shonen. It's, it's a new Bones show. I'm not sure how long this is supposed to go, but it's a shonen with some vampires and battling, and it's cool. It's not MHA, but it's a shonen, and I'm keeping up with it for now. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't really seem like there was much else there, so it sounds like it's There's exactly not much, but just, advertised. you know, it, yeah, it's exactly as advertised, and that's not a bad thing. Um, it's skippable if you're just, you know, not in the mood for a shonen, but I like it in my large rotation because it's a bit of a palate cleanser between other shows. Ah, uh, it's that show. I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, and it's doing nothing wrong so far. So uh, give it a shot. Maybe you'll enjoy it. Maybe you'll pass on it. All the right. detective is already dead. I was has my say. attention. Uh, has so my it attention. It's delivering? It's, it has a double-length premiere. Ooh. And it does really cool things with the double-length premiere. And then episode three does something weird, but not bad weird. Ooh, I, I can't like say weird. too much about this because there's it's rife with spoilers and inherently there, there's very fundamental things going on still in episode two that I can't fully explain it. And now in episode three, we're moving forward. We're knee-deep in the middle of our first mystery, which seems completely unrelated to everything that we've discussed in episodes one and two, but obviously I'm expecting this to tie in. That this is not... I'd be shocked if this wound up being just a, you know, detective of the week type of thing that I, they very much set up an overarching plot in episode one. And it's just, we can't see in episode three what connects back yet, but I'm sure we will. This feels like, um, Kyoka meets Haruhi. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about this. There, there, there are definitely other shows I've seen where they do have those like kind of sub arcs that tie back to the main arc. And, oh, I love it when, I love it when it all comes together. <laughs> yeah, has my attention. Absolutely check out The Detective is Already Dead. Uh, next up alphabetically would have been Duke of Death and His Maid. Like I said, I dropped it after one episode, but, you know, it's teasing etchy. Not, there was nothing problematic, certainly. Um, well, the closest thing to problematic is the Duke himself looks rather young and the maid looks a bit more mature, but it, the Duke is old enough where I'm, gonna say that this is not problematic that it, it, we're not talking Lukoa and show to levels of difference here yeah yeah otherwise it would have just been like very off-putting from from the get-go so yeah yeah um the dungeon of black company this is the one from silverlink because i always give silverlink shows a try because as i say they have an eye for just taking stuff that looks like it should be mundane as heck but it turns out they have an eye for their adaptation material and they've done it again because what initially looks like it might have been, you know, all right, super wealthy, successful dude is knocked down to square one and has to build his way back up. It now might actually be um, super wealthy, successful dude gets knocked down to square one and starts a workers revolution. Wait, what? <laughs> Super wealthy, successful guy gets knocked down to square one and possibly starts a workers' revolution? Head whips right over to Neo Ivan. 
Like, actually. And, and the thing is, this could go in one of two very distinct directions. That there is the benevolent route where, all right, you know, we, we have, you know, the workers uh, working together and just you have your, you know, uh, social democracy. Or you could go full CCP. I'm not sure which direction it's going to go, but it's heading in that general vicinity. And I'm curious to see which they do. This isn't just, all right, guy, you know, works his way back up from the bottom through blood, sweat, and tears in a black company. No. It's different. Um, it's not... Yeah, that's a... <laughs> like a worker's it, revolution it, is definitely a twist, for sure. Yeah, no, they, they, I, I just sort of had a moment in episode three where I, I, when it really started to actually get into those things and you have, you know, I can't say too much, but there was the workers, you know, at a rally, you know, talking to the boss and they had the bandanas on their head and I was like, oh my gosh, wait, we're doing this. So, I don't know that... There's the possibility that this could end up being, you know, if it's just episode four, it becomes really apparent that this is going to be full CCP and the main character is just a scumbag who's going to be, you know, espousing things of equality when actually only caring about himself because the type of scummy that this character is at the beginning of episode one would absolutely do that. But it's unclear of whether or not being knocked down to peg to square one may or may not have changed him enough to actually care about others outside of himself. So I'm going to keep watching to see where it goes. <laughs> Possibly with uh, with the, the, the character change being uh, undertaken because of his adventures. So suddenly, Isakai Lennon. <laughs> that's, that's what we're getting But here. basically, <laughs> and, and the thing is, like, so far it's not doing anything. It, it's not the immediate, okay, this is awesomely successful, like it was for Bofuri or for Villainess. But it's it's doing something different enough inherently, and it's not bad that it has my attention. It could stumble. I could see. I'm not saying. I've never said that Silverlink is ineffable or you know um, uh, incapable of picking a bad thing. But at the very least, I can confirm that once again they've chosen something that's different. So, yeah, different is good. Uh, and that's everything. And I've taken up most of the episode because we got on that tangent about Kobayashi for a good 15 minutes. But hey, that was important stuff, so I don't regret it. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, to, to be quite honest, like this is probably the most outside of like little twi uh, little clips I see on Instagram <laughs> that I've gotten from like the entire season of anime this yeah. year. So uh, and uh, yeah. well, my hero season five also, but that's my hero season five. So are you watching my hero? Question mark. There you go. <laughs> yeah, basically uh, <laughs> things I also need to get caught up on. Um yeah, so that's no, so. I guess. Definitely. Do you want to go through some of the things that you've done with virtual events and just cram it into ten, fifteen minutes? Maybe just pick a couple highlights, or do you want to reschedule that for another week? Yeah, I'd say let's uh, save that for an, a future episode because uh, I definitely wanted to, you know, take a little more time with that, uh, give it some, give it some time to breathe, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. especially well, because with with this, uh, you know, deconstruction of where we are at the the start of this current season. You know, there's still there's still a lot to kind of decompress. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. Um, it, it you know, it's it's interesting to see some of the standouts for this particular season. Uh, it's nice to know that, you know, some of the shows we expect to be good are, if not pretty darn good, like friggin amazing. 
Um, and then, you know, shockers like what what happened with uh, Kobayashi, like that's phew, I, I don't think I, I don't know if I'm as gobsmacked by that as I was with um, what happened with Promised Neverland last season, because that is a very different type of. Dripping it's over very different. That, that, that was <laughs> Promised Neverland was there was pre-written content that was one thing. And actually, Kobayashi is based on a manga, and I just haven't read the manga and hadn't heard anything about where the manga went. Um, but Promise Neverland was production actively changed source material and cut arcs and accelerated endings at warp speed. And this is... This content may very well have existed in the manga and just did not get much publicity for whatever reason and is not good. Yeah, and definitely if if you know it's coming, you you have enough time to, you know, change change the direction <laughs> of uh, yeah. of the narrative cuz clearly Promised Neverland's production team had no problem doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess um, we still have a yeah. couple minutes left. So, are there pick a show or two that you might want me to give a bit more commentary on or that you have some questions on of, you know, I mentioned this that or the other go a bit more in depth that uh, I do want to give people the full hour and uh, I, I enjoy the talking anyways. So yeah, anything that you want a bit more on? I def definitely do want to um, pick your brain about some of these. Um, I mean, obviously sunny boy, we can't get uh, too much into that same with, um, with detective, you know, because yeah, the, overarching... the long story short on those is they're both just good enough that I will say, watch it. Don't worry about it. Just watch it. Yeah, uh, I, I man, now I'm really intrigued though, especially with uh, with Detective because oh man, I love I love good weird plot like, decisions. The, there's uh. there's supernatural stuff going on, or just you know like high fantasy science stuff going on. Actually, uh, it's not it's not well, maybe it is a bit supernatural. Yeah, a pinch of supernatural, a pinch of high fantasy science stuff going on that. This is not a pure, gritty uh, Holmes detective uh, where, you know, everything is super grounded in reality. That it, there is a bit of the fantastic around the edges, but all the detective work is still um, grounded in reality, at least so far. Uh, and just, yeah, characters are good. And there's, there's so much in episode one that because the detective is dead that we don't know yet that there's just so many open questions that are engaging enough questions that i really want to know these answers yeah oh man that oh that sounds so exciting ah! <laughs> um yeah i'm just double checking what else we have that uh we went over that i did want to get a little more detail on uh, i mean certainly remake our life I'll, I'll be honest i completely forgot about this one until you mentioned it and you know, hearing hearing the assessment, I'm like, huh, all right. I, th I think I definitely should get on that whenever I'm able to. It, to it's a very up uplifting stuff. story for sure. That um, that's good. A, the place that the main character's in at the start is a very bad place. Just, it, it's not even that he didn't try on his first go. It's that, well, in some ways he didn't try. That uh, th this is first episode stuff, not spoilers. This is before he goes back in time, so I don't consider this, you know, spoiler territory. Yeah. That yeah. the whole thing is the guy had the option to go to a um, 
a arts and development school or to go to a generic university and chose the generic university because he was worried that, you know, while he was interested in game design, that he felt that this particular specific one might have been it, too much work or that it, it was uh, too intense and that he wasn't sure yet and that just fell back on safety of, you know, a regular university, I'm sure I can handle this and uh, just I know I won't have to work too hard. And that later regretted because there were some very talented people that would have been in his class that are now making these AAA games that he adores. Um, he then has a run-in with another character who is able to get him an in, actually, at a company. And then the project that company is working on folds shortly thereafter, despite him actually being able to make some very substantial contributions that just Aww. larger overarching things with management that the, the project folded out of his control, not him messing up or anything that he was actually starting to try. And then failure was out of his hands entirely. Oh, and yeah. I, I see what you're talking about now, because I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I I understand. <laughs> that is that is hard to watch. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he goes back in time and now it's just okay he's seeing the people that he knows will grow up to be very very successful in the field and he's still not sure what he's able to do necessarily that is special or above and beyond but uh his isekai op thing is uh, he is possibly too mature and too thoughtful like Going through all these types of trials and tribulations does make one more introspective and more thoughtful and more mature, for sure. Um, but, you know, this is shown in protagonist levels of, okay, he's super thoughtful and mature and whatnot. And, you know, that's not a bad thing, per se. It's a bit predictable, but not bad. Yeah, but also, in a weird way, that is that is fairly realistic, given the fantastical scenario. You know, if yeah, you're basically just, carrying... Okay, you know now that where you need to go, what you need to do. And yeah. part and, and of if you're, me... If you're carrying all that introspection that you had as an adult back with you into your teenage body, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's going to be hard to shake that yeah. even and, if you're trying to put up a front. Yeah, and the thing at play here is, okay, even if he is a bit OP in that he knows the future, he is still now in this incredibly intense uh, just prep school of, or just, you know, art school. Um, think Shokugeki that... Um, uh, Shokugeki for games. <laughs> well, kind of, but without the fan service. So wholesome Shokugeki. That, that just, you know, Totsuki Academy. I know you didn't really watch Shokugeki Mario, but Totsuki Academy, the academy in question is just, you know, the super cutthroat place where it's very, very competitive. Um, and the arts college that he enrolls in is not cutthroat per se, but it's just, we're at an art school for entertainment medium and you and I of all people know that even if you're not in a a cutthroat line of work that it's just it is a inherently competitive one that there's so many people that are very very talented and not enough jobs to go around yeah so it's it's basically a university for you know a certain caliber of student yeah so yes it's, yeah it's and, and that it's competitive everyone is a rival not an enemy yeah, very big distinction because, you know, your rival can still be your best friend. Yeah. And most of the time, or at least a lot of the time at 
Totsky with um, Food Wars that your classmates were your enemies, like in a very direct sense. And this is not that. But uh, it's it was doing some cool things. And like I said, there was nothing bad. It was just it, it hit a little close to home. And once again, just I'm watching so many things that I was yeah. just like, it, it was an easy one to cut for now, but I could absolutely see myself going back if I just get into that type of mood. And heck, I might go back if I find myself dropping two or three other shows that I'm on now and saying, well, okay, I'll pick this one, one back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aww. So uh, it's certainly not, it's not something that I dropped because I was like, this just isn't worth my time. Yeah. And, what I, what uh, I and I for about... you in particular, like, I... I think you should give it at least the double length premiere just to see what you think. Yeah, I was I was going to say what what is appealing to me about this the more that you're describing it to me. First off, I like uh that there is a time travel anime that doesn't involve some sort of, you know, a horrific accident or literal murder <laughs> like the last few that I had my attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, we're not dealing with that. We're not dealing with that. Yeah, so that's already like a huge plus in my book and then I'm getting like these Otaku no video vibes. Uh, and I'm I'm really I'm really digging that. So it's like, okay, what if mm, what if yeah. a non-murdery erased with a dash of otaku no video sold? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here for this. That's basically what we're working with. Just you know that and a hint of Shiro Bako. Ah, oh, word, word, word. So yes, this uh, this definitely sounds like something I I should uh, get to first when I'm able to do some catch up because it sounds like. It sounds like it'll be a good engaging experience that will in some ways, you know, hit close to home, but still like provide good feels and be, you know, a good, uh, a, a good uh, relaxing show to to take in while, you know, getting involved with this particular narrative. So, yeah. Yay! If I were to pick five shows that are not continuations, so Villainess is not eligible, that I would say you should watch the five shows that are new this season in no particular order. The Detective is Already Dead, Aquatope on the, the White Sand, Sunny Boy, um, Kageki Shoujo, and then it's either Realist Hero or Peach Boy Riverside. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I may have to at least do small samplers for some of those, because at least two of them, I'm like, yeah, no, these these definitely need to be caught up on, uh, especially for research purposes for later in the year. But uh, yeah, good to know. And this has been a very solid recap episode. Indeed, <laughs> no, yeah. No no flashbacks required, uh, barely any new animation. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, of course, I naturally, hope. I only went through like a third of the stuff because... I watch a lot of stuff. I watch a lot of stuff. I'm not crazy enough to watch every flippin' premiere. Sorry, folks. There, there are review websites that will get every premiere for you and go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. I do not have the interest in doing that. Um, I suggest there's AnimeFeminist.com. Does some real good stuff, really thoughtful stuff, and also has the baked-in commentary of, you know, is this show problematic to what degree and they have a sliding scale for it, and I think they actually do just very good review work in general. There's also ANN that, you know, it's ANN. Uh, I don't always agree with their reviews. I think sometimes they're overly critical, sometimes they're not, but, eh, they have, yeah, I think, a, I think they have a whole on, slate uh... of reviewers. That's one of the features, for sure, of ANN, is that you can see a show that they have listed, and they will have anywhere from two to five reviews on any given show, so you can 
see what the average is among their review board there. And that was going to be my next uh, follow up. Um, you know, it's basically it depends on who's reviewing the show. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. they're very good. About and it's very clear that overt about yeah. you know, whether or not it is to their taste or not. So the, I, I appreciate the disclosure from their end. Yeah, that um, ANN's reviews are not necessarily, uh, you know, pure reviews in that they are looking at them from a very uh, detached standpoint. But I, their writing is still good, and uh, it's always nice to read extended reviews for sure because even if you don't necessarily agree with the reviewer's taste, you can usually glean the important bits from the commentary, and especially if you read the same bit of commentary across the three different reviewers, even if the three reviewers had different takes on those bits, you will get a good idea of what you're in for regardless of whose perspective you might agree with there. Exactly. And with that, <laughs> we have managed to power through the hour. So, um, yeah, we uh, we definitely should do our wrap up. Would you like to do the honors or shall I? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I believe we do have the happy hour this week. So in about 30 minutes, you can join us on our Discord if you're interested for some murder time, murder time, fun, fun, fun among us. Next Saturday, the 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, we will be doing our radio drama presentation of The Fifth Element. So that cult classic sci-fi one, very fun. Looking forward to that for sure. And as always, there is wonderful nerdy content here on Digital Era Entertainment six days a week, sometimes seven. And uh, please uh, be sure to give us a like, follow, subscribe on the various social media platforms. And I think that's about it. Oh, yes, our sponsor, Image Anime. Yay, Image Anime. Wonderful run shop in New York. You can visit them at, I forget the number, Ludlow Street for their pop-up shop at the Waypoint Cafe. But you can also visit them online. And if you use the promo code DESCOUNT, that is D-E-E-S-C-O-U-N-T, you can get 20% off all in-stock items through the end of the year. So that's a real good deal right there. And now I think I've hit everything. Mario, do you have any additions? Uh, yes. Uh, so the schedule for Virtual Crunchyroll Expo did go up yesterday. So Ooh, nice. uh, we have that. slowly been rolling out uh, the, the heads up about our panel going pro with Digital Era Entertainment. Uh, I've That's actually my left, name. I have left a link in the uh, the, the chat there. Uh, we've started rolling it out on social media. It will be uh, it will be screened and the Yuzu stage at Virtual Crunchyroll Expo at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, oh, good. So Friday. it's not directly overlapping with our show for once. Well, I say for once, but uh, it's just, you know, <laughs> like last time. You know what I mean. Yep. Uh, so uh, Friday, uh, August 6th, that is uh, when you're going to be able to check that out. It is going to be a, a busy night for me because, uh, yeah, like less than two hours after that is Hime's Cosplay Cup. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to have a very busy Friday. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> what we need mildly. to do is we need to push back our virtual event thing to the week after CRX, so you can include that in your stories and your debrief. Yeah, that's part of why I'm kind of glad that uh, we were able to, you know, just talk shop today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it'll be a, a much more, a much more thorough discussion uh, once we are all done. Because after that, that is uh, that is it for me for the the summer, really. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, so that's that, that. That's all the urgent stuff of notice. Of course, you know you've already heard everything else that you need to hear about where to find us, how to support us, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Of course, don't forget our merch. I realize I forgot to throw that into the chat over there for those of you who are watching live. That is over at our Stream Elements page. So streamelements.com/slash/digitaleraentertainment. And uh, yeah, stick around. We'll be back in just a little bit for some happy hour. Again, join us over in the Discord, which we do have listed in our chat if you want to get in on DFUN. And uh, yeah, the crew will be back next week for some more anime discussion. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay informed, and we'll see you again shortly here on Digital Era Twitch. Take care, y'all. <laughs>